0: But Isaiah chapter 30, uh, we have a great study that's really rooted in trusting God, you know, trusting God, and he is definitely trustworthy. I will say that with all my heart. You know, I, I remember reading a story that uh, Tony Evans said when he was a boy growing up, he used to love to watch the telephone man. Uh, he, he was kind of like Superman to him because he could see him climbing up the telephone pole, and he just seemed to be good at hustling up and down that pole and so one day he got a chance to talk to the telephone man and he's just kind of finding out how he managed to get up and down that pole so easily and he explained to him that first of all he his shoes had spikes in them and so that helped obviously going up and down the pole but secondly he explained that in climbing the pole he made it a point to rest against his belt so that he could get a firm implant with his shoes and so he said, you know, when he was young in his um, profession, as a young man, he didn't really know how to, how to rest in that belt. And so instead of resting, he would, you know, kind of lean forward and he would just slide down the post, if you can visualize it, slide down the wooden post. And as a result, he got a lot of splinters in his body. And, uh, and, and Tony Evans went on to say that a lot of us, because we refuse to trust God, We keep getting splinters in our lives, you know, things that keep sticking us, that mess us up, that we can't get around. And so we're going to continue to get splinters until we learn to trust God and to put all of our confidence in him. And so I pray that we would have that. Today's study really is all about that. In Isaiah chapter 30, we have the backdrop of Israel and Assyria kind of you know, making their way to to conquer the land. And what ends up happening is uh, Israel, rather than trusting God, they do what like the smart person would do. You know, the one who is just leaning only on their own intellect. And they want to go down and ask help from Egypt, which is symbolic of the world. And so look what we read here in Isaiah 30. It's a warning. There are 23 woes in the book of isaiah so he's warning them uh, frequently he says in verse 1 woe to the rebellious children says the lord who take counsel but not of me and who devise plans but not of my spirit that they may add sin to sin who walk to go down to egypt and have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of pharaoh and to trust In the shadow of Egypt, therefore, the strength of Pharaoh shall be your shame and trust in the shadow of Egypt shall be your humiliation. For his princes were at Zoan and his ambassadors came to Hanes. They were all ashamed of a people who could not benefit them or be help or benefit, but a shame and also a reproach so we're going to, I don't know if you're there right now. Are any of you here in a situation where, you know, you're, you're struggling with God's will for your life, or maybe you're struggling financially, maybe you're struggling physically, maybe you're struggling relationally, maybe emotionally. You're going to set challenges. You're going to see challenges in your life. And, you know, there's this, this temptation not to trust God anymore. And so, you know, we're all going to get tested. I was talking to my wife on the way over here, and it seems like, you know, life is pretty, you know, cool. We, we go through our trials, but I, I was telling her more than likely, there's going to be some big trials ahead, big testings ahead for us. And when we're there, will we really trust God? Because a lot of people, when they get there, they don't. And many of them end up ruining their life. And I, I don't know, I don't want to say it's always over and done, But sometimes you end up saying, like, God has this plan for your life, and because you don't trust him, you trust the world, you compromise, then what ends up happening is this plan B, plan C, plan D, until eventually you hopefully learn, you know what, I can trust God. You know, he loves me. And he will provide for me. And I won't cheat on my taxes. I, I, I won't compromise in any way. And God is going to test us in, in all these things. And so right here is the warning. He says to them in verse 1, you know, to the children, woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord to, to, to Israel, to Judah, who take counsel, but not of me, and who devise plans, but, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. No, they they were not trusting the Lord, and they were not, you know, doing things according to His word. Um, when you get counsel, you can go to a non-believer and ask them for advice, and we see that Psalm one says, "Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of this world and in, in the in the ways of this world." You know, and so we have to ask the Lord. You know, God, you be the one to guide me. God, you be the one to show me what to do, not to devise plans uh, that kind of, you know, come from ourselves or from the worldly philosophies that we see today. Um, it says right here, what ends up happening is they they add sin to sin. And, and that could be a couple of things. I think it actually does refer to a few things. Number one, earlier in their history, if you read uh, Isaiah chapter 7 through 9, you'll find that they had made an alliance uh, with the Syria in the days of Ahaz in order to secure aid against Israel and Syria. So they did it once and now they're doing it again. So it's like sin and, and they're adding sin to it. Others see it as just basically the way that, you know, number one, they're not trusting God and number two, they are trusting Egypt. And so it's just what ends up happening is uh, it compounds you know we have to come to that place in our life where we are just completely uh man we're we're just god i trust you i trust you i i think i've shared with you guys before how this uh, uh i don't know it sounds kind of funny but if you if you kind of really think about it it makes a lot of sense uh, it's like a kite you know you're flying a kite And the the kite is, uh, let's just say it was was having this conversation with itself. And it says, you know what? I don't like the limits of this string on on my life. I want to fly higher. I want to go above the clouds. I want to be in space. I want to get away from this string. And so one day it, it gets its wish and the string gets cut and the kite just falls to the ground. And, and, and what ends up happening is we got to trust God, you know, not just for the things that, you know, we want to fly higher, but even the limits he puts upon us. Because that, that limit, not not to go too high or obviously, you know, too low, those, those ranges that God gives to us in our life are for our own benefit. And so we we have to trust him, you guys. We really do. And we have to make sure that we don't go to the world. Uh, They have their ways. Uh, We have to make sure that we don't compromise or go against his word. Uh, We see it throughout the scriptures how oftentimes they would go down to Egypt and they wouldn't really, truly pray about things. And I want to encourage you to make sure that you are a, a man of prayer a woman of prayer, because I I tell you what, when I pray, it's there that I see most clearly. You know, you're making a decision, and you know, you're asking that person, you're asking that person, you're asking that person, and don't get me wrong, the Bible does say there is wisdom in the multitude of counselors, but you know, the question is, have you asked God? Have you really prayed about it? I find for myself whenever I'm facing things uh, that I, I have to make sure that I bathe it in prayer. And then I'm not saying I always hear an audible voice. I'm not saying like I hear God, you know, say, Manny, this is what I want you to do. It's not like that. But I, but I, at least I know that if, if I brought it to him in prayer, then I have peace about going forward and making decisions. What are those people who they just do, you know, what the world would do? You know, Proverbs three, five, and six. It says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path." You know the the. You know, everybody. I, I think we have that challenge, and it's it's easy to make a mistake. I was thinking about how Joshua made a covenant with the Gibeonites. You read about that in Joshua chapter 9 when the Lord had sent them into the promised land. He said, Whatever you do, don't make a covenant with any of these people because these people are really, really perverse. I mean, these people are, you know, committing incest. These people are having sexual relationships with animals. I mean, it's just, it was a perverse nation. Don't make any covenant with them because what they'll do is they'll ruin you. But, but when the Gibeonites came and they, they you know they had their old crusty bread and you know everything worn out clothes and they, they tricked Israel and Israel ended up making a covenant with them. Why? Because they didn't pray about it. We read that in Joshua nine in verse fourteen it says, Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. And that's the key, you guys. I mean, the Lord wants to lead you more than you want to follow. And that's why we have to ask him for guidance. We have to ask him for wisdom. We have to ask him for his will. We can't be like Israel who trusted in Egypt. Now, you know, when I was thinking about this, I'm like, man, Lord, this is a really big situation. We've talked a little bit about this, how bad the Assyrians were, how they would come in and they would maim people. They would take out eyes. They would cut off arms. They would cut out tongues. I mean, they were just crazy people, and nobody could stop them. Nobody could stop them. You know. And so now they, they've devoured the northern kingdom in the year 722 BC, and now they're coming towards Jerusalem, and this is this nation that no one can stop them and and so um yeah their 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 faith is going to get tested you know today um in you know in the world that we live in we we have allies right and we're if we're gonna you know hopefully deal with Russia or something, you know we're gonna look you know to our european allies hopefully and even though they're not going to help much because <laughs> they're too interested in oil, but you know we see things going on today and uh and that's kind of the way you would do it. Israel, go to Egypt. They're going to help us because the big guys are going to come in and they're going to steamroll us. I mean, it looks like there's no way out. And so, you know, you might say, well, come on, Manny, show him compassion. It seems like the logical thing to do. And again, I don't know for sure. Maybe God would have stirred him that way. But um, I have a hunch that he wouldn't have. All he wanted was for them to pray about it. And as you pray about it, Then the Lord would have given them the victory. And that's what really separates, I think, in many ways, uh, uh, a lot of us from the plans that God has for us. Imagine the great plans that God has for you. And sometimes, because we just do things the logical way, we just do things the worldly way, because we are, are too, our flesh doesn't want to pray about it. Imagine how much. You know, we, we, when we mess up, we fail. And you know, I was even thinking about Pastor Chuck Smith and how when the, the Lord started blessing the church and next thing you know, they were going on three services and they couldn't fit in the sanctuary and they had um, put a down payment on property. But, you know, financially, it was still a little bit of a struggle in, in one sense. And so some guy came up to him and I guess he had, you know, done an investment and he had a lot of money and he you know met with pastor chuck and he told him the whole story as a matter of fact if you go on our church app and if you scroll down under chuck uh you'll see chuckisms there's a little 5 minute story about how this guy offered him a million dollars a million dollars and so uh chuck said okay um let me pray about it and he went and he prayed about it and god told him no you know the logical thing would be like yeah we need money <laughs> Yeah, um, a million dollars, you seem like a really nice guy. And, you know, it's just like perfect timing. And most of us here would be like, well, yeah, you know, for sure. But I think God just wants us to pray about it. And the Lord, you know, I think maybe in one sense, I don't know for sure, but maybe he was testing Chuck. Chuck, will you trust me on this? Will you really trust me? And he did. And you guys, uh, we've seen what God did through Pastor Chuck Smith. He just blessed him. He blessed him beyond your wildest imagination. To where when he was, you know, there at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, they had these properties everywhere and camps everywhere, and they bought Marietta Hot Springs and they bought this big old Logos building. And and who knows? Maybe they were able to get all of that because way back in the day. When, when Chuck was tested about this million-dollar thing, that he said, I'm not going to trust man. I'm not. I'm going to trust God. And only the Lord knows the condition of our heart if that's where we are. No, but I do know this, that here Isaiah, he woes them. He warns them. In verse 2 again, who walked to go down to Egypt have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of, of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. I mean, it's kind of a sad thing because when you know the history of Israel, you know that God had defeated Pharaoh. Why are you looking to Pharaoh? I mean, God had shown them the victory. It's, it's just the shadow of the substance. There's nothing there. And therefore, the Lord said that would be their, and he says there in verse 3, that would be their shame. That would be their humiliation. And in verse four, it talks about how they had sent people down to these two cities in Egypt, but they could not help them. They would actually be disgraced. And so we read in verse six, uh, the burden against the beasts of the South through a land of trouble and anguish from which came the lioness and lion, the viper and fiery flying serpent they will carry their riches on the backs of young donkeys and their treasures on the humps of camels to a people who shall not profit. And what what, what he's talking about right here, the, these these uh, burden against the beasts of the south, they would actually take this journey from uh, Judah through this dangerous territory in Egypt, where these uh, you know these uh, beasts were. He he mentions the lions and the vipers. A fiery flying serpent? You're like, what's that? I don't know. I kind of think it's like the enemy. you know. But they're willing to take that risk. Why? Because they got the money. And they've got these treasures, and they put them on the camels, and they're going to take them down to Egypt. It says in verse 7, For the Egyptians shall help, and in vain, and to no purpose. Therefore I have called her Rahab, Hem-shibeth. and in the Bible, Rahab eventually became a synonym for Egypt. You can read that in Psalm eighty-seven, four, and other places. And where this name right here basically means they they sit idle. Uh, Rahab uh, it also means uh, proud. Uh, they they just would do nothing for them. And I and I just and I know a lot of you here. I just thank God because you trust the Lord. You trust him. You know, you're you're like that kite and you're good with it. The limits that he's given to you, the time frames. He's got this beautiful plan for your life. And you're not questioning it because, you know, you trust him. You know, I praise God for that. And, and I want to encourage, let's all come to this place. You know, sometimes we think that if we have the money, then that's the answer. We can buy him or we can buy this or that. And God is, a lot of times he'll tell us, listen, it's not about the money, it's about me. They were sending the treasures. And when I was reading this earlier today, I was thinking about those treasures and I was thinking about how those, it says right there, they, they put their riches on the backs of young donkeys and their treasures on the humps of camels. I was thinking about how those treasures came through the victories of David. You know, and through the prosperity and blessings of Solomon. And now they're just losing it. They're, they're just giving it away because they could not trust God. He says to Isaiah, N- Now go write it before them on a tablet and note it on a scroll, that it may be for time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, Children who will not hear the law of the Lord, who say to the seers, "Do not see," and to the prophets, "Do not prophesy to us right things; uh, speak to us smooth things." And that means speak to us nice things. You know, um, don't tell us the truth; just tell us what we want to hear. Or prophesy deceits. And then in verse eleven, it gets crazy. He says, "Get out of the way; turn aside from the path." Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. You know, they thought that they could buy it. They thought they can, whatever, you know, go down to Egypt and, you know, next thing you know, all their troubles will go away. Um, Some people think money is the answer and they think that making more money is the answer and they, they don't realize that, you know the way that it works with the manna, the way that it works with the Lord is, you're always going to have enough. And and if you get too much, it actually might rot. Lord, just feed me with the food allotted to me. But they thought, well, I can go and I can hire Egypt and, and we'll be good and this will be the answer to all my problems. And God is saying, no, I'm the answer to all your problems. You know, I think of, all of you guys, and I could just imagine all the different challenges that you guys are going through, you know, and I think of myself too sometimes, you know, as a pastor and just different things. And if I were to focus on all the different aspects and all the different challenges and all the, you know, different people that don't like me or whatever the case may be, you know, you're going to go through different challenges and even relationships sometimes. If I were to focus on all that, I'd go crazy. You know what I try to focus on? I try to focus on my relationship with God first. Get in the word, get in prayer, be a man of obedience. Trust the Lord and he's going to take care of everything else. I'm not saying I'm oblivious to things, but I don't focus on that. You can't. If you focus on the Lord and you trust in the Lord and you honor him that way, I promise you, he will bless your life. He will and no one can stop it. God is a good God. He's so gracious to us. You know, but these people, unfortunately, they had come to a place in their life where they didn't want to hear it. You know, they didn't want to hear the Bible study. They didn't want to hear the, the guy, the prophet. They didn't want to hear Isaiah. So Isaiah's like, okay, God says, I'm going to write it down as a record for against them, indictment to them, and even for the, the people to see in the future. And here we are, we're reading what Isaiah wrote, and, and we're learning from it, right? I mean, he's this, they're telling the seers don't see and the prophets don't prophesy. You know, we're, we're living in days where you can go to a church over there and they won't teach you the Bible and they'll just tell you what you want to hear. You go to that church and they'll give you like a, a feel-good message and they just, you know, help, self-help stuff, you know? And, and, you know, the cool thing about just being able to teach through the Bible is it's not up to me or what to teach. It's up to God, whatever's there next on the text. And sometimes it's, a, you know, a message about love. And other times it's a message about, about, you know, grace or, or judgment or heaven or hell. That, you know, God, the devil. I mean, it's just all there. But, but it's sad sometimes when people don't want to hear the truth. They don't want the full counsel of God. They just want, you, you know, I want to go to church service. And I want them to tell me something to make me feel good about myself. And then, you know, when I leave, I'm all, I'm all built up. But but we would be built up only by studying the scriptures. You know, the thing that's crazy is it says right here in verse 11, this is what they're saying, get out of the way, turn aside from the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. It's almost like they're saying we don't want God anymore. And I was thinking about our nation, you know, and I, 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 I wish... You know, you could talk to a lot of these guys that are in Washington D.C. or some of these people that are the movers and shakers and professors and universities and the framers and the influencers of our country. And you know, back in the day, you, there was a, a time where it says, uh, um, you know, that we in God we trust, in God we trust. They put it on our money. Think about that. But but man, now we're living in a time where all those people, those influencers, those politicians, those individuals, for the most part, many of them in Washington DC, they, they want to get rid of God. The the you the professors at Harvard University and all these Ivy schools, they just want God out. This is what this is right here. That's what this verse is saying. They just want to get out of the way, turn aside from the path, cause the Holy One of Israel, to cease from before us. Now what we find, it wasn't just about like taking God out of a certain aspect of the equation. The agenda of the enemy is to take God out of the nation. And so we see it even happening in our own country today. You know, and what can we do to, you might be here and you'd be like, well, there's nothing I can do to change it. Oh, yes, there is. Do you realize what one person can do to make a difference Who was sold out and surrendered and completely committed and not caught up in California Christianity? I mean, do you realize what a difference that you can make? I mean, I don't know how or what. Maybe you'll be president one day. I don't know. But just the godly life, it really does impact. You know, what we find here is God is trying to teach us, you know, to make sure that we trust him and not do what the typical person might do who doesn't trust God but trusts in, in the world. And so look at verse 12. It says, Therefore, thus says the Holy One of Israel, Because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perversity and rely on them, therefore this iniquity shall be to you like a breach ready to fall. A bulge in a high wall whose breaking comes suddenly in an instant and you have some people you know they're just trusting um, in the world they're trusting the system they're trusting in their job they're trusting in their money and man i'm telling you right here it says suddenly boom one day it's gonna fall And, and it says and he shall break it like the breaking of the potter's vessel Which is broken in pieces, he shall not spare. So there shall not be found among its fragments a shard. A piece broken, a little piece of broken pottery won't even be found. That's how devastating it will be to take fire from the hearth or to take water from the cistern. You know, and again, I know God is gracious, you guys. God is gracious and only the Lord knows the heart of the individual. Only God does. I think of someone like David. And and God knows, knew his heart when he did the things that he did because he wasn't a perfect man. But I, I think of that individual who was serving the Lord and who left his family. He just left his family. You know, he said, I'm not happy. And he just abandoned them for some other young girl in the church. And, and he... And he and he, and he did that, and you know, and you see countless stories of individuals doing these crazy things, and what God says right here is, "The wall's going to get broken, buddy. Protection is no longer going to be yours. And' this, this, this vessel that maybe at one time, this jar of clay that was used in God's hands is going to be shattered to such an extent that there will no longer be a piece big enough for God to use ever again. That's how dangerous it is when an individual comes to that place where I'm not going to do God, things God's way because I don't really trust his plan for my life. And and we see it over and over and over again. You know, I was thinking about how um, when the pandemic you know, or whatever you might want to call it, COVID first started. Um, There was an offer from the government to the churches that said, hey, if you want, you can get money, you know, and we can, you know, help you out. And I got actually a lot of text messages from pastors that I knew that were jumping on board. They're like, hey, free money, you know, and I didn't have a piece about it because I'm like, well, you're looking to the world to give you money. Why are you doing that? You know, and so, you know, I, I didn't do it, but after it's all said and done, and now it's been, whatever, a year and some months later, um, some of those churches are no longer there. Maybe, and only God knows, but maybe it's because they were trusting in Egypt rather than trusting in God. I don't know. I just know this, that we have to be careful, and God will, He will test us. We have to be so holy in just lord you know i i know you love me i don't understand everything that is going on in my life but i do understand you love me and so we have to stay there you know these guys unfortunately they they didn't israel had some they've had some hard history look at verse 15 for thus says the lord god the holy one of israel In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. And that sounds like a great deal to me. Right? God just says, just come back. Just come back and and rest in me. And and when you're there, man, you're going to have this peace. You're not going to be all frazzled and and freaking out. You're going to have this this confidence, you're going to have this quietness. It'll be your strength. That's what God told Israel. But it says right there, but you would not. And you said, no, for we will flee on horses, and therefore you shall flee. And we will ride on swift horses, therefore those who pursue you shall be swift. One thousand shall flee at the threat of one and at the threat of five you shall all flee till you are left as a pole on the top of a mountain and as a banner on a hill and that pole on the top of a mountain is basically a tree without branches no fruit whatsoever and that's where they would end up you know what we find is that you know the lord just wanted them to trust him just trust me you know and they didn't. They went to Egypt. They said, no, we're going to get some um, horses. And if you have a New Living Translation, it says that basically they're going to get horses to go into the battle, like cavalry. We're going, to, we're going to win. Here it says they're going to flee. But more than likely is it saying, we're going to get horses and we're going to win this. Egypt's going to help us and we're going to be good. And, and God says, no, that's not going to happen because you did not trust me then, you know, one of them is going to chase a thousand and five of them are going to chase all of you. When God started the nation of Israel and he established a covenant with them back in the book of Leviticus, chapter 26, verse 8, God actually said the opposite would be true. He said to Israel, if you trust me, if you trust me, this is the type of victory that I will give you, that five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. All your enemies will fall beneath your sword. And see, that's what happens. Things get turned around. You know, I'm here to tell you, you know, and and I know you guys know this or not, but man, God, even though again we don't understand everything we don't know well, all the details of our of our lives he has plans for us that are good Jeremiah 29:11 through 13 and 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 it's so powerful and it's so beautiful and so wonderful and you just have to trust him you know i remember even for myself you know when i was called into the ministry and, uh, I, I still don't know, you know, how it happened or stuff, but I remember I had a really good job and great benefits, you know, and, and, you know, I thought I was going to, you know, you know, whatever, retire from there. And then the Lord, the day came where God said, no, I want you to quit your job and I want you to go into full mini- full-time ministry. And in the process, you take a 40% pay cut and you lose your benefits and people thought i was crazy cuz you guys know how big benefits are nowadays right everybody thought i was crazy but you know i remember even when i asked my wife to marry me i i wasn't full time and you know like that probably not a good thing to tell young guys nowadays you know but i i just knew that the lord was calling me to ask her to marry me different things and when i when i actually you know started the church in Almonte, quitting my job with no With no like assurance of how will we provide for my family. I mean it wasn't just you know like you know, like well if things work out then I'll go back here. No, it's like you're quitting your job. And 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 all I know is that inside of me God had established something and even today, you know, I don't know all the details of everything, but I do know this, man, he will always provide. I know that. You know, and I don't have to look to man. I don't have to worry about it because I know that he will. You know, we have to, at the same time, you know, not be foolish. All those types of decisions that God will make, ask you to make, or steps of faith that he will ask you to make, it's always rooted in a very intimate prayer life where you're praying and God is putting things on your heart. He's showing you things in his word. And that type of relationship its not a, a foolish thing. It's it steps to faith. And faith is really, um, you know, when we hear God's word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We hear and then we respond. You know, we have to be so careful that we don't trust in, you know, the almighty dollar or the military, you know. Psalm 20 in verse 7, it says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of, the Lord our God. Deuteronomy seventeen sixteen. God has specifically told the Jews not to multiply horses. It says, when you have a king, because he knew one day they would go there, he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. You know, we were called out of the world. We can't go back to the world for help. You know, it was interesting when David won his military victories and he did end up with a lot of horses, he hamstrung the horses. He, he basically handicapped them because he did not want to ultimately trust in them. And so unfortunately, Israel did not listen and they would pay the price. And we see that in really the days of Babylon. and And so we'll see that in 586 B.C., but does that mean that God's done with Israel? No way, huh? Yes, no. Even though the enemy would like to wipe out Israel, he's not going to be able to because God has a promise for them. I I don't know if you guys heard about Whoopi Goldberg recently. She got uh, suspended, you know, from uh, The View um, because she had said something about the Holocaust that it wasn't a race issue. And I think the reason she said that is because she thinks the only thing that's a race issue is a black issue. No, it, it was a race issue. You know, this uh, Hitler, he tried to eradicate the Jews, the Jews, right? Because the devil hates the Jews because they're a sign to the world. You know, I I was talking to someone the other day about this and I was asking them, hey, do you understand this whole Russia thing? All that's going on in Russia? So, um, and they were like, no. And I'm like, you've been coming to this church for how long? And you don't understand this, you know, and I felt like this is my fault. But if you, have, if you don't understand this whole Russia thing and Iran thing and Turkey thing and Syria thing and all that's going on there in Ukraine, I, I, I encourage you read Ezekiel 36 and 37 because those are prophecies how in the last days Israel would be regathered to the land And they would become fruitful, which was such a miracle because Israel bought this land the size of New Jersey. There was basically swamp lands. And it says in Ezekiel 36 and 37, they would all come back to the land. They would be fruitful. And this little nation, this little teeny tiny nation the size of New Jersey became the fourth largest exporter of fruit in the world. And so Ezekiel 36 and 37 have already been fulfilled. But Ezekiel 38 is next. And what Ezekiel 38 talks about is how one day Russia and Iran and Turkey and a couple other nations, they're going to eventually invade Israel. Now, you guys, I'm not like one of those who says, this is it, you know, you know, we don't know for sure, but I will say this, that the Bible says that when that happens, the rapture and this invasion, they're right around the same time. We're not sure which one starts first, but they're right around the same time because they talk about this seven-year period. And so we're living in a world now where, I mean, who's afraid of Putin? I mean, we're, and there no one in America is afraid of him. Maybe some Republicans, but they don't have the power. And so you guys, the oil, the whole situation, everything is being lined up now. You know, and and we see it right in front of our eyes. And that's why we have to be ready. You know, God will spare his people. When Russia does come in, um, Israel will prevail. And you read, so I want to encourage you, if you have questions, talk to one of the pastors or one of us, but you read Ezekiel 38. And that's why when you hear like Israel in the headlines or Russia in the headlines or this whole Russia-Iran pact which in the bible days is known in persia it is it's it's unprecedented and so it's definitely a sign of the times but god he protects his people look what it says in verse 18 therefore the lord will wait that he may be gracious to you and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you so god will be exalted because of his grace and and mercy upon Israel. For, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Now, it's interesting how the Lord will wait for them. The Lord will wait, it says in verse 18, but we also have to wait uh, for him. And so one of the things that's interesting about this is this the fact that he talks about how God is going to be merciful but at the same time, how God is going to be just. And it's almost like an oxymoron because you know what mercy is, right? You know what justice is. Justice is getting what you deserve, but mercy is not getting what you deserve. And so how does that? By the cross of Christ, all our sins were laid on him. He paid the punishment that we deserved. And so Jesus experienced that justice, the wrath of God, but we experience mercy. It says in verse 19, For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem, and you shall weep no more. He will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. That's for Israel, how they would pray and cry and God would hear. And it's for us too. I want to encourage you guys to pray like that. And though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, Yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see your teachers. And and basically what he's saying right there is, because remember earlier we were talking about, they were in a time where they didn't want to hear their teachers. And some said that their teachers would hide (laughs) or they were hidden. And he says, that's not the way it's going to be during the millennial kingdom. They're going to be taught. Uh, when their right relationship with God, and look at this next verse is so beautiful, and it says in verse twenty one and your ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, "This is the way walk in it whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left and i and I love that because number one, I mean God is showing them mercy and and they have this relationship in the millennial kingdom, they're teachable, but they're also reachable in the sense that when you have a relationship with God, it's like the still small voice. And you can hear that voice when you're in right relationship with him. And that's what he says right there. Your ears shall hear a word behind you. And God is saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. You walk in it, whether it be he telling you to go right, telling you to go left, or maybe when you shouldn't be going either way and he wants you to go straight. Isn't it so cool that we have a personal relationship with God like this? You got to listen. You got to listen and he'll share things with you. You know, what he wants us to do, what God wants us to do is to wait on him to wait on Him. Later, we're going to see that in Isaiah 40, verse 31. It says, Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Think about that, you know? What a life that God has for us if we're willing to wait on Him. Now, the waiting is basically this whole faith like i believe it's not like foot tapping god when are you going to show up i've been waiting you know no it's eager expectation great anticipation and god's perfect timing i mean he's going to blow my mind but a lot of times people can't wait and they end up you know ruining so much i mean i think of abraham and sarah and how god had promised them a son and they couldn't wait And so what ends up happening is Sarah says, Hey, Abraham, you know, here's my maidservant, Hagar. You guys have a relationship, and we'll kind of get this thing going. We're going to help God out. And look at the heartache they experienced because they were not willing to wait on the Lord. So don't don't go ahead. You know, stay in step with the Spirit. Don't lag behind. You know, you wait on the Lord, and in His perfect timing, He's going to... He's going to show up and he's going, to do what, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. You want to know why? Because He's going to put those desires there. He's going to put His desires inside of you because you love Him, because you're in the Word, because you're in prayer, because you're in fellowship, because you're, you're in relationship with Him. He's going to put His desires in your heart. And then He's going to give you those desires. But you have to wait on Him. C.H. Spurgeon said something really, really cool, and so I'm going to read this long quote, and so please listen to this quote. He said this. He said, Certain of God's people are in trouble and distress, and they are eager for immediate rescue. They cannot wait for God's time, no exercise submission to his will. He will surely deliver them in due season, but they cannot tarry till the hour comes. Like children, they snatch at unripe fruit to everything there is a season and a time, to every purpose under the heaven. But their one season is the present. They cannot wait. They must have their desire instantaneously fulfilled or else they are ready to take wrong means of attaining it. If in poverty they are haste to be rich and they shall not long be innocent, if under reproach their heart ferments towards revenge, They would sooner rush under the guidance of Satan into some questionable policy than in childlike simplicity, just trust the Lord and do good. He said, it must not be so with you, my brethren. You must learn a better way. And so we read in verse 22, he says, you will also defile the covering of your images of silver and the ornament of of your molded images of gold. You will throw them away as an unclean thing. You will say to them, get away or good riddance. And and so much of our problems has to do with idolatry. We, when we put someone or something before God and the Lord says, you know what, when you're there and you're in right relationship with me, you're going to get rid of those idols. And then he will give the rain for your seed with which you sow the ground and bread of the increase of the earth. It will be fat and, and plentiful. In that day, your cattle will feed in large pastures. Likewise, the oxen and the young donkeys that work the ground will eat cured fodder that's that's really good grain. I mean, they're going to be blessed so much. Um, kind of like um, any of you guys have...